Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. And today, we're only a few episodes into the podcast, but we have our first guest with us here. It's an amazing day. Wow. So amazing. It is. This guest, he hails from West Omaha, just down the road from Sioux City. If you didn't know where Sioux City was, north of Omaha. His name's Father Taylor Leffler. He's the parochial vicar of St. Wenceslas Parish in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome, Father Taylor. Thank Give you. Give it up for Father wow. Taylor in wow. the house tonight. I am baffled. Wow. This is phenomenal. That crowd, I forgot that they were there. Yes, welcome, live audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. All social distance, of course. Right. There's nobody here with us. It's just us three. Yep. Father Taylor and I are good friends, and we're hanging out on our day off, and we decided to drag him into the podcast. Why not? Exactly. We have an expert in our midst. Yeah. Wow. Um, you want to tell us a little bit, bit about yourself? Father yes, Taylor? myself. I am ordained two years, now in my third year of ministry. I'm from the Archdiocese of Omaha, just uh, just real close to Sioux City here. I come from an, a smaller town, not quite as small of a town so as you, you have Travis. some outcast like cred. You're from a small town. <laughs> I do believe. Yeah, my town had about 3,400 people in it. West Point, Nebraska is where I'm from. So yeah, I had the same 32 kids in my class from kindergarten to 12th grade. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I've experienced what that was like to live in a small town and to be a part of a small diocese. Not quite as small as Sioux City, but still right. I mean, n- not not a huge, huge deal in, in the American Catholic Church, so to speak. But I'm a happy priest and had several great years in St. Louis with Father Travis. I've known Father Shane. I've seen I've seen you around for years yeah. since you're the vocation director. But it's great to be a priest. It's great to be in Sioux City and to be on this podcast just to share a little of – I mean, I'm not a super experienced priest, but um, I've been around for a couple of years at least. Yeah, you have. Yeah, we went to Kenrick together in St. Louis for a couple of years, and it's fun to be just – couple hours away now in ministry be priests together it's awesome and the same day off which is a great yeah great we blessing. synced those up which is really fun. yeah seeing mass together and going on walks mm-hmm. and praying holy hours and cooking yeah. food and drinking wine and making cocktails it's a great right. time it has been good yeah well we dragged father taylor on today because as he grew up in a small town you're not in a small town anymore Nope. West Omaha it is big giant parish thriving. right yeah so so they say I, I'm in the biggest Catholic Church in the state of Nebraska now. St. Wow. Wenceslas is my parish. Big place. We have about 3,500 families. We have a school. One family for every person from your hometown. Yeah. Right. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. And K through eight school with 900 students. We employ about 100 people on the school side and like 15 people on the church side. And so it's a happening place. Big campus with a brand new church coming We're soon. building a brand new church. Good for you. And brand new offices. And it is it Long is time waiting. Thrilling. Yeah. The current church was built in 1984. Right. The church before that was built in like 1920 or something, right. 1915, in like, like downtown Omaha. It was a Czech parish, St. Wenceslas. Mm-hmm. But now it's it's more than a Czech parish for sure. We, yeah. we have all sorts of families and young families too at St. Wenceslas and lots of kids who grew up at St. Wenceslas who are now in their 20s and 30s. Right. And with talking about St. Wenceslas, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on 
you're my friend and want to hang out with you on the podcast, but you have had tons of weddings. That's been kind of one of your ministries at the parish, right? Well, part, part of the thing was my, when I got there, my pastor said, hey, I'm building a giant $30 million church. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have a ton of extra time, so I want you to get your feet wet with weddings. And so any couple that calls in and doesn't specifically ask for me, he said, I want you to take it. So I'm about to celebrate around my 50th wedding. Wow. And I've prepared at least that many couples and actually more couples because there's there's sometimes where couples are going to get married somewhere else, mm-hmm. but they live near my church. And so I prepare them for marriage before they go get married elsewhere. You're a pro. Or the opposite, right? Where they oh. want to get married in your church, but they live in a different state or a different town and get prepared by their priest, right? That's right. I just yep. had my first experience of that. I had my first Anglo wedding. My first wedding was a Spanish wedding. They were close by in town. But my first Anglo wedding was just last weekend. And this is why I wanted to talk about weddings on this podcast, because I realized those who find themselves kind of outcast from the church, who might think the church is a little out of touch, some of the only times they come back are maybe funerals and maybe Christmas and (laughs) Easter, but definitely for weddings. So meeting these young couples who might have been away from the church, the sacraments for all of their time in college, now as young adults, all of a sudden they're back and they're in your office for marriage prep 100%. or for their wedding. Yep. And I know we've talked a lot of stories of what has been able to happen through that. Well, and gosh, it's so funny you say it that way because there are it's so often that for the very first time, I mean, couples call the church sometimes and they don't really go to church, so they don't have any idea who Father Taylor is. They don't know that I'm 29 years old and like pretty fresh out of seminary and right. like as old as them or really close to their age. So they come into my office and they're like scared. Like some of them are like they shake a little or they're like nervous laughter. Or like they've never been in a priest's office before, you know, or like one of them's not Catholic. He doesn't even know what priests are like. Or they think that I'm I'm some like old curmudgeon of a, of a guy. Right. But they walk in and they're like, you're, you're Father Taylor. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 I'm 29 and – and uh, come into my office. Let's hang out. They expect kind of like an Irish brogue or something. Maybe. Like or the last priest, priest that they saw on a movie or something. That's what yeah. they're imagining. Bing Crosby maybe, right? <laughs> yeah. Not that. I, nope. Uh, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. So what has been your experience with meeting some of these kind of outcast Catholics who've been kind of disconnected from the church and then you've been able to walk and accompany through this experience of marriage prep? Honestly, I love marriage prep. The, the very first thing that happens when the couple comes into my office I sit down with them. I, you know, we kind of, we chat a little bit. I, I get to know them, but we, we say a prayer and then I'm just like, Hey, just so you guys know, I love doing marriage prep. It's one of my most favorite things to do as a priest because it's, it's so real. It's so personal. It's that real accompaniment of people who are on various, uh, in various places of their journey of faith. And so it's huge. I mean, Honestly, so much is of what we do as a priest, it's kind of like lots of highs and buys, mm-hmm. right? We see people at church, we say mass for them, we might wave at them after mass or something. We used to shake hands, not anymore. We just wave, um, but but that's that's like it. There's not a whole lot of like deep accompaniment that happens with a lot of our parishioners. It's just kind of we kind of stay on the surface, sure. talk about the weather, how you doing, Father? You know, pretty whatever. Marriage prep. You are talking about some of the most vulnerable and real Mm -hmm. things in the lives of this young man and young woman. 
I mean, think think about what you have to talk about as you're preparing for marriage. You have to talk about your your past, your family of origin. You have to talk about sexuality. You have to talk about morality within marriage and within sexuality. We have to talk about faith and prayer and tell me about your journey of faith. We have to talk about careers and goals and parenting and money. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. it's some of the most personal stuff in the world. So I try to make it not scary because some people are nervous to talk about that kind of stuff. And it makes sense if they – And I, what I've learned with, with couples in marriage prep is they hardly have anybody else in their lives who are asking them these questions. Like mm. who are talking about things like, yeah, t- so let's talk about, you know, how, how were you raised as a child? Tell me about your family. Mm. What was your parents' divorce like? Tell me what that did to you. Um, how did your parents discipline you as a child? Um, we, we talk about, yeah, we talk about sexuality. We talk about whether or not they're living together or sexually mm-hmm. active before marriage. Those are really important things to address and to, to learn from them. But I, I tell my couples right away, I'm super excited mm-hmm. to walk with you guys. And here's the deal. When, when most people get married these days, you pick a reception venue. You pick a wedding venue. They might be the same place. Right. You And then you get sucked into the wedding industry and you spend tens of thousands of dollars on all sorts of things and the mm-hmm. colors and the flowers and the programs and the bridesmaids and the groomsmen and all their gifts and all and the I mean, save the save the save the date yeah the save the date are you gonna get a magnet or oh, yeah yeah that's right you have to now for our our corona couples you have to put out like seven save the dates because right. they're changing so often i feel so bad for them here's the deal though they jump right into that and there's no particular time to spend time talking about the relationship in the catholic church we're very serious about spending, you know, a, a minimum of six months with a priest or or maybe a deacon or maybe even a, a lay couple mm-hmm. to prepare you for what we believe is a sacrament, the sacrament of matrimony. I had one couple that said, Father, like, we were really nervous to come in for the first time. And we were like, mm-hmm. oh, like, what kind of hoops do we have to jump through? But they're like, now we look at this like date night. Oh, like it's our time to be away with father and to be together. Isn't that? Yeah. Uh, threes, threes a crowd. <laughs> I try to keep my office clean, you know, That's for good. That, that date night. So great. what I'm thinking of now, I know we're, we're trying to, you know, get some outreach out there with this podcast to some millennials, some young adults. I know some, some older folks have listened and they've loved the podcast so far, so far. And I know I've heard from a lot of couples who've been married for a number of years. They'll sometimes say from their experience of marriage instruction, why do priests give marriage prep? They say, what does a celibate priest have anything to do with giving uh, suggestions and advice to married couples? Um, and I hear that sometimes, maybe I see that a little bit with, with our peers too. Why would we go to a priest for marriage prep? So what do you, what do you say to that kind of challenge? Why, would, why yeah. would a celibate priest have any business given marriage preparation? There's, there's a couple different things to say about that. One is that I think a lot of us... Um, a lot of us priests in many parishes have a, actually a, a lot of room to grow when it comes to marriage prep, mm-hmm. meaning like it shouldn't necessarily just be one priest talking about marriage. Mm-hmm. 
How about a married deacon? How about some awesome, solid Catholic couples from your parish sure. who can provide some more of that formation? So we we don't really have a system in place like that, but there's lots of dioceses that are moving in that direction. Plus, it's like right now I have 17 couples that I'm preparing for marriage. That's a lot of couples. Right. It's hard to, to keep them straight sometimes. And so it can be really, really helpful to say, okay, hey, I'm going to meet with you a couple times, but you're going to meet with a super solid married couple mm-hmm. like three or four times. Here's the deal, though. Like, I mean, a doctor doesn't have to have pancreatic cancer mm. to to treat somebody with pancreatic cancer, right? Mm. Like, I don't, I don't have to be married to be able to talk about some aspects of marriage. Now, I don't play pretend. I don't pretend to know what it's like to be a parent right. or pretend to know what it's like to live this active sexual life as a married man or woman. However, I have, I'm 29 and I've already walked with 50 couples in marriage prep. So I can say, hey, I've learned a lot about this from this couple or sure. this from this couple. And so I, I have some experience walking with couples through different through different issues. Plus, like, I, I'm a man who prays and mm-hmm. I'm a man who studied the theology of matrimony and kind of what, what God's vision for marriage is, which mm-hmm. is more and more different from what the world says it is. You know? Sure. There's, there's people nowadays who are writing their vows. This is not in the Catholic Church. You don't write your own <laughs> vows in the Catholic Church. But people outside the Catholic Church are writing their own vows. And instead of saying, you know, all the days of my life or forever I'm going to love you, they'll, they'll say, I promise to be whatever to you as long as our love shall last mm. <laughs> because they want an out. So they're just like, well, this might not work out and, and we right. just want to do this as long as our love shall last. Well, that's not what we believe the sacrament of matrimony is all about. It's something deeper than that. Yeah. That's really, that's really good to hear. I got accosted one day in um, Fairway. I was buying soup in Fairway at Fort Dodge or in Fort Dodge, Iowa and this old man came up to me and he just, he got really aggressive. And he's like, you know, I think all you priests should be married because what business do you have giving marriage prep lessons? And I said, well, <laughs> I, I didn't go to the seminary just to be a marriage counselor. You right. know, there's actually, mm-hmm. there's actually a little bit more to priesthood than just that. And Father Taylor, I would say, you know, you made that comment, I'm a man who prays. Mm. Uh, you know, your love for the Lord, your love for your bride, the church, can speak volumes as a witness to all these couples. And uh, you're also leading them into an expression of faith through their vows with one another. So I would argue that the couples don't need you to just kind of give them like conflict management tips, right, you know, right. and they certainly don't need you to give them tips on their sexuality, right, you know, right. like give us, you know, give us new pointers, Father, you know, how do we do this? And that's not why they're coming to us. They're coming to us to say, Father, we, we know that it's important to get married in the church and we might not even have a very strong relationship with God right now, but we know that by coming closer together, you can lead us deeper and we can find God in the midst of that. Mm-hmm. And if you can give them that in marriage prep, well, what a success and perhaps what other opportunity would they ever have to find that personal accompaniment as you were speaking about yeah. earlier? When it's not just me sitting there talking at them for an hour, usually it's me sitting there and asking them questions mm-hmm. and inviting them to disclose themselves to me, but more importantly, to one another. Yeah, that's right. And there have been lots, lo- I mean, in every couple, I think there is some question that I ask and it, and it provokes a conversation, not even, and I'm just, I just sit there and listen. And it's the couple talking back and forth about something that they didn't know about each other. You know, right. we're like, oh, I didn't know that that annoys you. Or yeah, I, I didn't know that you felt that way when I do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's amazing to see what happens. Another thing too, I mean, it's no secret that the Catholic church is, 
really, um, really passionate about bioethics, about the woman's body, about fertility, and about you know the sacredness of human life and and the sacredness of the sexual act too. There have been some amazing conversations that I've had with couples about that reality, whether or not they've chosen to live together before marriage. I mean, to have that conversation is really powerful. And like literally nobody else in their life wants to ask them that question. I mean, you usually don't talk to your friends about that sort of stuff, but mm-hmm. I ask it in, in in just a really respectful way. And we have some conversations and sometimes, you know, the girl might be using you know, contraception or something, not mm-hmm. even so much to contracept, but because there's some, some medical issues going on. And so yeah. I, I have, there's, there's one girl that, that I uh, witnessed in marriage. I told her about in Omaha, there's this Pope Paul the sixth Institute, which is an sure. incredible establishment, um, especially in, in helping people with fertility and parenthood. And so she was like, well, yeah, I've been taking the birth control pill for so long because I don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, we've got this place called Pope Paul the Sixth Institute, and, and they'll, they'll work with you. And, and anyway, she went. She actually went after I told her about wow. it. She had an incredible experience, and already they've, they've done lots of different things to help her to achieve pregnancy in her marriage, to help her body to heal, not just to mask it with a pill, right. but to help her body to heal and to do what it needs to do to conceive a child within marriage. I mean, right. this is the kind of stuff that happens in an hour in my little office in right. Omaha, you know? Yeah. What I'm thinking right now is if anybody's listening out there who's hasn't been married in the church or whose who's kids or grandkids, great-grandkids aren't married in the church, what I've realized with my peers, there's, there's a great gap of Catholic formation, not just class or anything like that. But if you leave your senior year of a Catholic high school or your, gosh, maybe sophomore year of religious education after you're confirmed or even earlier in some dioceses, you might you might have 10 years before you get to this place of meeting with a priest for marriage preparation. And there's just this huge lack of formation. People don't really know how to pray because nobody's really taught them. Um, people don't really know, like you said, how to open themselves up to one another or to mm-hmm. the Lord because mm-hmm. nobody's really taught them. And this time of marriage prep, it's not so much, well, sometimes if priests don't do it well, I guess, but it's not so much just this time to have the priest tell you some stuff, but it's this beautiful opportunity of formation. Mm-hmm. Be formed in the Lord's and the church's image of what the sacrament of marriage can be. Well, it's so beautiful to, I mean, there's some really providential things that happen. I, I was just at a wedding rehearsal dinner not too long ago, and I got to sit with a couple, um, or several couples actually, from the wedding party, and there was this young couple, and it's kind of fun, like I, I flew airplanes before seminary, this guy was a pilot, um, they got married at a winery, I love wine, we were talking all, all about those sorts of things, right. and then she said, she's like, well yeah, I'm, I'm Catholic, I go to this church, I'm like, really? And so she's, she basically said like that they didn't get married in a Catholic church, they got married just a couple weeks ago at a winery. And then I didn't even I didn't even say anything. And right after that, she just goes, "Father, like, could you like bless our marriage in the Catholic Church?" I'm like, "Absolutely, <laughs> I yes. can do that." <laughs> yeah. So like, I mean, you still have to go through some marriage prep. So mm-hmm. we're, we're going to talk through some of these things, even though you're civilly married. We're still going to talk through, through some of these things over a few months. But like, if you're out there and your marriage isn't quote unquote blessed in the church, if you got married elsewhere and you're you're interested in experiencing the sacrament of matrimony, or you have a brother or a sister, like, I mean, don't pressure them into it or like force them into it, but invite them. Like it can be a really 
beautiful, inspiring, and even healing experience to walk with a good priest or a good deacon or even a good lay couple through marriage preparation to, to, to experience what it means to live out the vocation of matrimony according to what the church teaches about it and according to what God's plan is for marriage, which again is, right. is, is nothing shallow at all. Right, and you might find that this beautiful teaching of the church is a lot less outcast or out of touch than it might seem to people. Big time. When people really dive into what's the meaning of human love and what's the meaning of this covenant of marriage, um, it's more than just kind of like the industry of marriage and save the date magnets can offer. Right. It's so much deeper. So, and we're not just going to sit there and peg you with all these crazy questions or make you feel terrible about yourself for all the mistakes that you've made. Right. We want to walk with you. We want your hearts to be open to the grace that Jesus has in store for you. And we want you to have the best marriage possible. That's all, that's all we want. Totally. Yeah, we're not the police. We're fathers. Right, exactly. That's why they call us fathers. Yeah. I think we could also offer a little word of encouragement to any couple who's out there who's already married. Sure. You know, how do they you know, support some of these young couples? Uh, you know, if you just, if you see in the bulletin that there was a wedding this weekend, well, go offer a rosary or maybe an adoration session for that young couple. Mm-hmm. Maybe send them a card. Um, maybe just reach, say, Father, can I start reaching out? My wife and I, or my husband and I, we would love to like take some of these young couples out for dinner and welcome them, welcome sure. them into the life of the parish or, you know, send them a card or something. I think there's so many ways that other married couples, even if they're not formally trained as sponsor couples, even if they're not helping out at marriage oh, prep sure. retreats, there's so many little ways that they could help build up the sacrament and, and welcome and accompany these people after their big celebration into a deeper life of faith, but also the life of the parish. Right. And, after, and just lastly, having heard from you, Father Taylor, all those really beautiful opportunities that this, these times with couples can provide. If anybody out there has children and it's that awkward thing of, yeah, well, they don't want to get married in the church, but you don't really want to say anything. I mean, may, maybe have that uncomfortable conversation and really invite them not tell them or force them or whatever, invite them to consider what the sacrament of marriage can be. Because mm-hmm. um, I think it is so much more than really the world can offer. Um, and this time of formation can be really beautiful. So, yeah. Thanks for sharing all that. That's beautiful. Well, My hopefully pleasure. we can kind of um, unpack just like the beauty of the sacrament of marriage more yeah. sometimes. We'll, we'll keep revisiting that. Yeah. Because there's so much in the marriage rite itself and the individual components of the preparation process that we can always dive into more deeply. Right. But good insights. Thanks, Brother Taylor. Thanks. Yeah, I'm just, I, I'm not a, a super genius, but I'm happy to share some of my experience with the 50 or so couples I've walked with. There, there is no such thing as a typical couple. They're all incredibly unique, incredibly different, but that there's that many more ways that the Lord can work in their hearts. Right. If you want to get prepared for marriage by Father Taylor Leffler, Check him out at St. Wenceslas Parish. How in, dare you? Uh, in Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Father Taylor, thanks so much. And I look forward to seeing you soon. And maybe we'll have you on some other time. I'd thanks love so that. Much for coming. Take care, y'all. Well, everybody, thanks so much. See you soon. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time. And God bless.